Go Hawks! I gotta tell you, this is Buck Benny speaking. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1953-1954 season. Uh, my Seahawks are playing today in the Super Bowl. I will see how they do. Uh, my predictions are as follows. Uh, the Seahawks will win by 15 if Percy Harvin stays healthy the whole game and plays the entire game. If Percy Harvin gets uh, sent out early, I predict that the Seahawks win by 3. If Percy gets knocked out early and um, Denver focuses on the running game and uh, throwing the ball to um, the receiver that's covered on the left-hand side of the field, covered by number 41. Um, I think that uh, if they keep on weakening that side, then uh, it's going to be, it could be uh, that Denver wins. We shall see. I'm excited to watch the game. I hope you are too. Uh, for those of you who are not watching the game, or choose to take a break from the game, at 5 o'clock uh, Pacific, Pacific Time, and whatever that equals on the East Coast, <laughs> uh, Laura Leff is holding her monthly Jack Benny chat. I will do a link to that. So if you want to get in on that chat with Laura Leff, who of course is the president of the International Jack Benny Fan Club, I sit in on those sometimes. Uh, today I will not because I'll be watching the game. Uh, who knows, maybe I'll check in for a minute or something, but uh, kind of a fun thing to do if you want to just chat about Jack Benny and ask questions and that sort of thing. Uh, so anyway, I'll create a link to that, like I say. Uh, tonight's episode uh, features Samuel Goldwyn of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and it's neat to have a legend such as him appearing on with Jack Benny, so that should be a fun episode. As for our poll results, uh, we were voting on which years of the Jack Benny show were the best years. Uh, we had th uh, coming in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, I guess there's six choices. Coming in sixth, no surprise, was 1932 to 1935. These are the early years of the Jack Benny show, one with a whole bunch of missing episodes with terrible sound, the ones that do exist. And it ended up with 3% of the vote. Uh, I will say that the end of 1935 brings us in Kenny Baker. Also, Don Wilson started in the 1932-35 to 35 range. So did Jack, of course, and Mary as well, as well as Schlepperman. Uh, so those are pretty important years, but I could definitely see how they would come in last. Uh, the next highest level at 13%. Is no, nope, I'm sorry. The next half level at nine percent is 1950 to 1965, the television years, and I would agree the television uh, shows are not as good as a lot of the radio shows. So I would put I would put that in that uh, order as well. I wish they would have done more of the television format, um, more of the radio form format on television. Uh, I think. This week's um, poll is going to be about the television show and which kind of episodes we like the most. The ones that are like a sitcom, the ones where he stands in front of the curtain and has a guest star sort of thing, 
or um, I'll figure out some other ways to say it. I mean, there's, there's also the ones that are like the radio shows brought to television, like the uh, train episode and the Christmas shopping episode and that sort of thing. So we will see what you think about that in today's poll. Uh, so come to the website and check out today's poll if you can. And we'll keep working our way through this poll. So, so that was uh, number five. Number four is 1936 to 1940. Completely disagree with this one, but that's okay. It has 13% of the vote. Uh, 1936 to 1940. For me, it used to be one of the lower ones, but as time's gone by, I've, I've loved that era more and more and more. I would say it's probably my favorite era, maybe. I can definitely see how other areas would be more popular, but I just think it's a really interesting time for the Jack Benny Show. Uh, 1936 to 1940 covers uh, Phil Harris coming to the show. It covers Rochester coming to the show. Um, also Andy Devine and the Buck Benny skits, uh, the first Christmas shopping episodes, uh, the first... Um, of the of the new uh, New Year's fantasy skits, uh, it's the coming. Uh, in fact, it's the bulk of the Bill Morrow and Ed Beloin written episodes. Every single one from 1936-1940 features Ed Beloin and Bill Morrow. Uh, also, Al Boesberg doing work in the early part of that until his death. And uh, I just think it's a terrific time. A very um, looser feeling show and you can just tell everybody's having a blast and there's it's just more freewheeling than the later years and so that's why I love it and if you really want to hear an episode that's the epitome of the greatness that is that time frame listen to last night's episode perhaps my favorite Jack Benny episode of all time maybe I'm not sure uh, I do know that it's the one that covers the most ground does uh, features just funny bit after funny bit after funny bit and in lots of different directions and just a smooth, well-written episode. One of the best written episodes ever. So if you haven't listened to Saturday Night's episode from 1939, I really suggest you listen to that. Uh, my intro on it, which I did years ago, I gave away way too many spoilers. I mean... I give away the format of the show and things. I'm just trying to express my enjoyment of the show and so forth. But I probably shouldn't have given that much away. So you might want to skip my intro, play the episode, and go back and listen to my intro. Anyway, uh, the next highest area, the in third place, comes 1951 to 1955 with 17% of the vote. Uh, I would agree with where that is. It, should be, of course, a little lower, I think. It's 1936 to 40 should be higher, but uh, it makes sense in that these are the years where Mary starts dubbing her part. This is the years where Phil's off the show, um, at least through part of that. Um, the beginning part fills on it, but then he's replaced by Bob Crosby. Uh, the focus becomes more on the television show. The radio show becomes kind of secondary. And so, yeah, I would, I would agree it's a step down. Then you have, uh, in second place, at 26% of the vote, uh, 
1941 to 1945, the war years. Uh, and I know I've said a lot, and I say a lot about the war years, and I enjoy those episodes. They're very uh, classic episodes. The problem with the war years, and why I don't think it deserves to rate second place in all of Benny history, is that they can be very repetitious. The episodes on the um, the different bases that they go to, there's a very formulaic quality to them. Make fun of the commander of the uh, of whatever base they're at. Um, talk about Mary fratr- uh, fraternizing with the all the um, different soldiers. Um, it, just a very uh, kind of laid out formulaic approach, and it gets old after a while. I think. Uh, so I wouldn't rate that as highly as some of you folks do, but that's the beauty of a poll. You guys can vote as you wish. Uh, and then the number one era of Jack Benny, according to our poll, is 1946 to 1950. And I would have to say that's neck and neck to me between 1936 and 1940 and 1946 and 1950. It has historically been my favorite spot for many years. Uh, I guess I'm saying I've fallen in love with 1946, 1936-1940 recently, but uh, certainly co- consider the golden era of Jack. This is uh, covering the time where he's switching over to CBS, but he's mostly over on NBC at the time. They are reaching their peak. The new writers really uh, know what they're doing, and um, and you have the first Vault episodes, the first... Um, Professor LeBlanc, you have the Christmas episodes getting Mel Blanc in them, playing the uh, crazed salesperson that Jack drives crazy. You've got um, Frank Nelson coming in and, and having a bigger role on the episodes. Just a lot of quality stuff. The sportsmen, you know, come in and reach their peak at this time. Uh, just a lot of things going on there, so I can definitely see why you why it's considered to be the most popular era of the Jack Benny show. And it's the poll is almost exactly as I would have predicted that folks would vote the poll, but um, uh, it's okay to have a disagreement, and I just have a disagreement about the poll, <laughs> but it's fine. So um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I guess not. I hope you enjoy. This episode, watch the Super Bowl, cheer on my Hawks. They definitely can use uh, the praise and uh, the support. Um, I thank all the people who've been emailing me about the Seahawks and about Jack and uh, and all the, all definitely all the people who've sent donations into the podcast. Uh, it's just delightful the wonderful things that you say and the. Uh, uh, how you show that you really care about the podcast by keeping it running, by donating to it. Just uh, bless all of you. Um, have a uh, great weekend, and we'll see what's going to happen with the Hawks. And now, around the world, the Jack Benny Program. <laughs> with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. 
Ladies and gentlemen, last night was a big night in Hollywood. The occasion was a special showing of Sam Goldwyn's Academy Award-winning classic, The Best Years of Our Lives, which is currently being reissued. Naturally, all the important stars in Hollywood received invitations to attend this gala affair. And while all this was going on, where was our little star? Rochester, hand me my pajamas. I'm going to bed. Just turn out the light and I'll go to sleep. Don't you want me to read to you like I always do? Well, yes. Pick up one of those trade papers, either the Variety or the Reporter or the Wall Street Journal. Okay. I'll read Variety. Okay. Now, let's see. Say, boss, look what it says. What? Tonight at the Academy Theater, there will be a special showing of Sam Goldwyn's best years of our lives. I know, I know. It's a reissue, I know. It says all the big stars in Hollywood have been invited to attend. Yes, I know. Didn't they mail you an invitation? Well, frankly, I don't know whether they did or not. Anyway, who wants to go to those special Hollywood showings? You always see the same people. Lauren Bacall will be there with Humphrey Bogart. June Allison will be there with Dick Powell. Jaja Gabor will be there with Jerry Giesler. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad I'm not going. But, gee, I, I've known Sam Goldwyn so long, I can't understand why he didn't invite me. Yeah, he can't have anything against you. You never made a picture for him. <laughs> yeah, but let me tell you something. If I got a phone call right now inviting me, I wouldn't even... I'll get it. I'll get it. Hello? Is this Sam's meat market? <laughs> No, it isn't. Who was it, boss? Some guy wanted Sam's Meat Market. Sam's Meat Market? That's the new place down on the corner. They're having a big opening tonight. They are? Didn't you get an invitation to that either? <laughs> I wouldn't go if I did. Rochester, I'm going to bed, so turn out the light. I got it. Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Mary. Oh, hello, Mary. I'm glad I caught you. I thought maybe you'd already left to see the special showing of Best Years of Our Lives. No, Mary, I was supposed to go, but I don't know. When you've been a star as long as I have, you don't get excited about those things. Gee, and I thought we could go together. No, Mary, I'm ready for bed. Oh, that's too bad. I have two tickets. What? What? What, what, what? What'd you say, Mary? What? What'd you say? I said I got two tickets to the picture. Mary, just because you got invited, you don't have to be so nervous about it. <laughs> Look, I was ready for bed, but I wouldn't let you down. So while I get dressed, you jump in the cab and pick me up in ten minutes. Okay, Jack. I may be a few minutes late. I want to stop off at the florist and get a corsage. Oh, good, good. While you're there, get one for yourself, too. <laughs> I mean, come over as soon as you can. Goodbye. Hey, Rochester. Rochester, I'm going to the opening. I knew Sam wouldn't let you down. <laughs> Not the meat market. Stop jabbering and help me dress. Hello, Jack. Uh, the door was open, so I came right in. Oh, hello, Bob. You going somewhere? Oh, yeah, I promised Mary I'd take her to a special showing of the best years of our lives. Now, pardon me while I get dressed. Well, I'll help you, Jack. While you're putting on your shirt, I'll button your shoes. Thanks. 
Oh, Rochester, hand me my wing collar, will you please? Yes, sir. Uh-oh. What's the matter? You wear a size 15 and a half collar, and this is only a size 14. Oh, that's all right. We can make it work. Put it on. Okay. Here's the collar button. Now, hold still. Boy, this collar's really stiff. Just a minute now. There. I got it. How's that, boss? I guess it's all right, but it's so tight I can hardly... <laughs> Darn it, it slipped off the collar button. Try it again, Rochester. Boss, this collar's pretty tight for you. Well, pull it harder. I'm getting it. I'm getting Hold still. There. Gosh, this collar's so tight I can hardly breathe. Bob, how do I look? Like Herbert Hoover with a sunburn. <laughs> Don't be so funny. All I have to do is snap on this bow tie, and I'll be on my... <laughs> Darn it, there it goes again. Rochester, where's my bow tie? It went out the window and headed for Capistrano. <laughs> well, get me another one. Say, uh, Jack, do you mind if I turn on the radio while you're getting dressed? No, go ahead, Bob. Let's see. I think I better get a fresh handkerchief. Hey, that's a pretty catchy tune there. Yeah. Funny coincidence, Jack, but I just did this song on my TV show this afternoon. Gee, it's a shame I missed it. I'd like to have heard it. Well, I can sing it for you right now. Okay, go ahead. Heart of my heart, I love that melody. Heart of my heart brings back a memory. When we were kids on the corner of the street We were rough and ready guys But oh, how we could harmonize Remember Heart of my heart meant friends were dearer than Too bad we had to part I know that you would listen if once more I could listen to that gang that sang Heart of My Heart Heart of My Heart I love that melody Heart of My Heart brings back a memory when we were kids on the corner of the street We were rough and ready guys But oh, how we could harmonize Remember Heart of my heart Meant friends were dearer than Too bad we had to part I know a tear would glisten If once more I could listen To that gang that sang Heart of my heart Heart of my heart And to that gang that sang Heart of my heart Heart of my heart 
That was a nice song, Bob. Well, guys, thank you, Jack. I I think I better be running along. Well, so long. Well, by the way, Jack, if you're not going anyplace else after the show, why don't you take Mary down to the Cinegrill where Frankie Ramley's band is? No, no, I think I'll be too tired. Oh, well, I'll be going over there tonight, and we might have a lot of laughs. I'll bet that Mary would enjoy it. Probably, Bob, but she ought to get to bed early, too. After all, we have a rehearsal tomorrow and a hard day ahead of us, and we all ought to get a good night's sleep. Well, okay, but... Well, the only reason I mentioned it is because the manager of the Roosevelt Hotel called me, and he said that since Frank Remley works on your program, he'd like to have us all as his guests. Well, make sure you get us a ringside table. <laughs> I'll see you later. Hey, that must be Mary. Coming, coming, Mary. See you later, Bob. Hey, this must be the theater. The best years of our lives, starring Frederick March, Myrna Loy, Dana Andrews, and Teresa Wright. Look at all the lights. There you are, folks, the Academy Theater. Come on, Mary. How much is that, driver? A dollar sixty. Jack, what happened? Nothing, nothing. Here you are, driver. Keep the change. Thanks. Jack, fix your collar. I'm trying to, but darn it, I've lost my bow tie. No, you haven't. They've got the searchlight on. It'll be down in a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, here it comes. There, I got it. Now, wait till I fix my collar. <clears throat> there, come on, Mary. Let's go in. Gosh, look. All of us big stars are here. Come on, hurry. Hold your own invitations, please. You spectators, stand back. Let them in. How do you do, Mr. Gable? Good evening, Mr. Taylor. How do you do, Miss Colbert? How do you do, Mr. Stewart? How do you do, Miss Livingston? I told you spectators to stand back. I'm with her! Oh, well, then, go right in, mister. Mister. Doesn't even know I'm Jack Benny. Well, don't tell him, and he'll have something to look forward to. What? Come on, Jack, hurry. The lights are starting to dim. Okay. Hey, Mary, here are two right in this row. A little more than, than halfway in. Two feet there. Follow me. Pardon 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 me. Oh, darn it, there's only one seat. We'll have to go back. Pardon me. 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 Jack, come back. You went off the exit. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, yes. Here we are, Mary. Here are two seats on the aisle. Good, and we're just in time. The picture's just about to begin. Gee, that was a wonderful picture. Yeah, but what a crowd. Hurry, Mary, or we'll never get out of the lobby. All right. Gosh, I really enjoyed that picture, Jack. And what a wonderful cast. I agree with you. Only I couldn't exactly accept Frederick March's conception of the husband. I personally would have done it differently. <laughs> Jack, look. There's Sam Goldwyn coming towards us. Where? Oh, yes. Hello, Mr. Goldwyn. Hello, Mary. It's nice seeing you. Thanks. Hello, Jack. Hello. You know, Mr. Golden, I was absolutely thrilled with that picture. I thought it was just wonderful. Well, thanks, Mary. What did you think about it, Jack? Oh, I thought it was fine. Excellent. But I was just telling Mary that the part that Frederick March played was almost unnatural for me. Jack! It's funny you should mention it, Jack. You know, when I first casting the picture, I thought about you for that role. You did? Yes, but then I realized the past call for someone older than 39. <laughs> well, for... <laughs> well, for heaven's sakes, then why didn't you call me? You know what a liar I am. <laughs> was made seven years ago. I was older then. I mean, younger. <laughs> I'm all mixed up. Well, Jack, I'll keep your mind for my future pictures. Well, thank you, Mr. Goldman. Remember, you know, I'm quite versatile. I'm not just a comedian. You see, I'm a dramatic actor, too. Uh, listen to this. Hamlet's soliloquy. Jack, please, not on the street. Quiet, Mary. Mr. Goldman wants to hear this. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind, to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous... <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes my collar again. Where's my bow tie? I swallowed it. No, Mr. Goldman, here's my tie on the sidewalk. Excuse me a minute. Hmm. Where's my collar button? I swallowed it. <laughs> swallowed <Hot> something. <laughs> about, Mr. Goldwyn. It's nothing serious. I've got another one in my pocket. 
Hey, Mr. Goldwyn, Jack and I are going over to the Cinegrill for some dinner and a cocktail. How about joining us? Oh, I'd love to, Mary. But I've got another big opening tonight. Another picture? No, Sam's Meat Market. (laughs) Sam's Meat Market? Yes, I own that too. (laughs) Oh. And that's television can't hurt. Oh, come on, Mr. Golden. Why don't you join us? We'll have some fun. Well, certainly. And I'll tell you what, Mr. Golden. You and Mary can be my guests. Your guests? Yes. I'll pay for everything. Mary, we better go. This will be the best year of our lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on. Let's go. Jack. Ask the waiter to get us a table. I don't have to. Bob Crosby said he'd get me a... Oh, there he is, right over by the orchestra. Follow me, Mary, Mr. Goldwyn. Hi, Jack. Mary. Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. I'd like you to meet my friend, uh, Sam Goldwyn. Mr. Goldwyn, this is Bob Crosby. Well, I'm pleased to know you, Mr. Goldwyn. Crosby? Crosby? That name is familiar. Oh, yes. You have a nephew named Gary, haven't you? Come on, let's get seated. Gee, the place is kind of crowded tonight. Remley really packs them in, doesn't he? You're darn right. Well, let's get some food. I'll call the waiter. And remember, kids, you're my guest tonight, so order anything you want. A waiter! Waiter! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) We'd like to order some food. May I have a menu, please? Here you are. Thank you. Now, let's see. Hey, wait a minute. The prices are all scratched off my menu. Who did that? I did. I hate suicide. (laughs) Never mind. Well, I know what I want. I'll have a Caesar salad, lobster a la Newburgh, and broccoli. Yes, madam. And I'll have a minute steak rare, some French fried potatoes, and coffee. Yes, sir. What are you going to have, Mr. Goldwyn? I'll just have a glass of milk. Are you sure you don't want anything to eat? No, I'm not very hungry. I just had a collar button. Gorman, he'll just have a glass of milk. Well, I'm sorry, sir, but I can't serve milk at this table. Why not? It's too close to the orchestra. It'll make him sick. <laughs> well, I'll go get those orders. Wait a minute. You haven't taken my order yet. Oh, yes. What do you have, stranger in paradise? <laughs> I'll have the potage du jour... At Salada avec Roquefort, at La Bouffe Bordelais, at Pomme de Terre. Well, get him! <laughs> Never mind, just bring what I ordered. And we'd also like some champagne with our dinner. In what kind? I don't know, what would you suggest? Well, when it comes to champagne, I always say, Mum's the word. <laughs> Waiter, that's a pretty corny joke. <laughs> 
Well, what did you expect for $35 a week, Martin and Lewis? <laughs> Never mind the wisecracks. You ought to pay a little more attention to your job. Some waiter, look at this tablecloth and napkin. I've never seen such dirty linen. Well, you do them for us, Wong Poo. <laughs> Look at waiter, never mind the impertinence. Just bring us our dinner and give me the check. Okay, but you'll hate yourself in the morning. <laughs> None of your business. Now go get our food. Okay, just lower your voice. Mr. Goldwyn, Mr. Goldwyn. You can come out from under the table. People have stopped staring. <laughs> now, let's all have a pleasant evening. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Ah, that food was really delicious. Yeah, I enjoyed mine, too. Anything else? Dessert? Some champagne, Mr. Goldwyn? No, thanks, Jack. Hey, will there be anything else? No, thanks. Well, here's your check. A waiter, come here a minute. You want? Uh, we're not supposed to get any check. We're guests of the management, you see? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about that. The check is $35.60. Look, I'm telling you, we were invited here by the management. I'm sorry, but I've heard that one before. Look, do you think I'd tell you that if it weren't true? I'm Jack Benny. I don't care if you're King Farouk. <laughs> what? I got a check here for thirty-five sixty, and you're gonna pay it. I'm not gonna pay it. Jack, for heaven's sake, you're creating a scene. Why don't you pay the check? You keep out of this, Mary. Now, waiter, get me the manager. The manager has gone home. Well, get me someone. I'm not gonna pay this check. Jack, please, this is embarrassing. You keep out of this too. <laughs> you invite me to your preview, and then you come in here and stuff yourself at my expense. <laughs> to you. All I had was a glass of milk. <laughs> I don't care what you had. Let Frederick Marsh pay for it. <laughs> and let me tell you another thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it. There it goes again. <laughs> I'd like to ask you a question. How would you like to earn credits from the college or university of your choice while you're still in military service? USAFI can help you. Some of you will be staying in the service, but others will return to civilian life to pick up your education where you left off. But you don't have to wait until you're discharged to start. You can begin right now. There's a USAFI University Extension course for any subject you'd like to take up. Psychology, mathematics, science, or English. USAFI has them all. Through the correspondence type of course, you can submit your lessons directly to almost any college or university you choose. Since there are universities and colleges in 33 states and in Washington, D.C., which will give credits for USAFI courses, including six in Georgia, four in Texas, and three in both Utah and Illinois. 
So start studying today for tomorrow. Get in touch with your unit I&E officer or write USAFI, Madison 3, Wisconsin. For uniform education, study USAFI. Thank you very much, Mr. Goldwyn, for being on my program. Good night, everybody. The Jack Benny Show is presented through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. to bring to you the co-presidents of the what is the afternoon fine arts league Daisy and Mindy in Cove Sporter's great number Friendship Maestro If you're ever For more Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Woohoo! This one is called Royalty Check Celebration. And again, it's Harrison Faye, so it's fun. <laughs> and they started out by talking about pets and dogs. And I, I have a dog, and mm-hmm. I'm a dog person, so I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I get so, my dog fixed by family members' dogs, and then I leave them to their. <laughs> duties and <laughs> like my nieces and nephews <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they're real cool and now they're yours <laughs> yeah yeah we love our little dog but she she still hasn't quite got the potty training down yet so we're working on it <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, but back to Harrison Faye, because that's what we're really here for. Um, so, if you had a sudden influx of money, what would you do with it? That's kind of what this show is about, and what Phil and Alice decide to do when they get a royalty check. And um, I was just thinking just now, what would I do if I got money? <laughs> I think I'd probably put some of it away in savings, but then I'd be like, I'm going on a trip. <laughs> going to travel somewhere. What would you do, Mindy? I would pay off my car because it's so close. Oh, it's eating me yeah. alive. <laughs> it's so close. <laughs> Just want it paid off. That's a good one. I'd probably pay off my car too now that you mentioned that. And then I'd go on a road trip with my car and be like, yeah, exactly. you're on mine now. <laughs> exactly. Even if I only had like 20 bucks, I'll go like two towns over and have a nice meal. <laughs> but I'm paying off the car. Oh, yeah. So this is a, um, a fun one. And I only took like one note on this or looked up one thing. And was actually right at the beginning before the episode even starts is you know they're it's the rca victor company mm -hmm. and um so it started with a commercial for rca and they played a recording of, of vladimir horowitz and i'd never heard of that guy before <laughs> so i looked him up and he apparently was a very famous pianist and oh. um so he was russian born and the in the part of Russia that's now Ukraine. And uh, apparently he was very, very well known, especially at this time. And he, if I'm remembering right, um, first made his de debut in America in Carnegie Hall. And I think that's a performance that RCA was playing at the beginning. Oh. I I'd have to re-listen to it. But anyway, he was very very well known and i thought that i thought that was just fun that i i, I like these episodes because they mention people sometimes that i haven't heard about and so i get mm -hmm. to look them up and i'm like oh that's really cool because <laughs> you know it's not often that you read about famous pianists and stuff but i've mm -hmm. learned a lot about different famous musicians because of these old time radio shows and yeah I, and me I, too and so it's kind of fun, and I just out of curiosity, I looked to see if um, if there were any recordings of him that you could watch it on YouTube, and there are. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the one random thing that I looked up is the the Vladimir one. <laughs> um, so well, that was a good one. <laughs> So what what uh, notes did you make? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that they mentioned people that you may not know. And in this uh -huh. one, they they kind of have this throwaway line of referring to one person as Tallulah because he's oh, going yeah. on this big emotional Tallulah trip. Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> yeah, this, exactly. And I was like, oh, I get that reference now. I wouldn't have got it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> uh, I know. Even two months ago. But I get the Tallulah Bankhead references now. She yeah. Is, Drama queen. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, well, did him I got a right good laugh out of that. Wasn't right before that he also called him Radcliffe? And he I was, did. Okay, and I was wondering if that's also a reference that I just don't get. 
Uh, I mean, the name Radcliffe Emerson comes to me, but I don't know who that is. So I don't know if that is even applicable to this. That's something I should have looked up. Well, (laughs) and I thought it might have been an inside joke of the show that I'm not familiar with, but maybe Uh there's something deeper. So hopefully somebody will post it in the comments (laughs) or something. Yeah. (laughs) Because, yeah, I didn't think of that. I was too busy patting myself on the back for knowing the Tallulah reference. I know. I got that one too. And I was like, oh, I know who that is. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But no, this I some of the jokes to me were you know, like the whole episode made me laugh, but <laughs> they were borderline racy for the fifties. I thought maybe I'm wrong, but they're not like super. They're not super body or anything. Oh, just yeah. a lot of tongue and cheek stuff, and maybe only just the one joke I'm thinking of early on. But uh, I was just I don't know. Maybe I was just pleasantly surprised that the humor is so contemporary the show always surprised me how much i enjoy it so yeah it's it's a fun one and it's hilarious to me how elliot is always trying to insert himself mm-hmm. into um any time that phil and alice are going to do something that normally they would want to do by themselves but elliot's all like they're just oh i'm coming i'm coming i'm coming I can't come. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, it, it just, it makes for really fun episodes. Mm. Oh, I looked up the Radcliffe Emerson. <laughs> I'm laughing <laughs> because it's the name of a character in a book that I like. <laughs> so <laughs> it has nothing to do with this episode. I well, what book is it? Oh, it's since uh, we've jogged down this path. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first book that he appears in is called Crocodile on the Sandbank. It's an okay. Amelia Peabody mystery by Elizabeth Peters, and that was one of my favorite books when I was younger. And then it turned into oh, okay. like a whole series of books, and I read several of them, but I don't think I read the last few. But yeah, one of the, one of the main guys is called Radcliffe Emerson, and so that's probably okay. why whenever I hear that it hear that. The name Radcliffe, the word, the name Emerson just pops up right after it. <laughs> so if you like Egyptology and uh, and like early archaeology from the early 1900s, then you might enjoy these books. So <laughs> random thought. <laughs> it never strays you far from books. Sorry. <laughs> I know we can't. <laughs> Well, I looked at royalty checks, which I knew what they were, uh-huh. but just to kind of, I don't know, just get a feel for how these things are working out for people these days. Oh, uh, yeah. You can actually buy shares of royalties of really popular songs, depending on who owns them, if there's an estate involved, things like that. If they the artist needs quick cash, and you can for a certain amount of money invested into a copyright, you get a certain percentage of really? royalties. Yeah. And a lot of people do it, not just celebrities. Cause you hear about right. the feuds like Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson had a big famous feud about that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, there, there's all sorts of things where you can just buy a portion of somebody's stuff and you eventually get your money back over an extended amount of time. Right. Because uh, you only get like a one percent share or something like that. Anyway, I just yeah, thought it yeah. was all really interesting. So, huh? Yeah. 
because I might Ilse start is, investing. No, <laughs> no, maybe I don't. Well, it'll take you a while to get your investment back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, maybe I won't then. <laughs> what were you saying about like, Phil? What bed Phil was like? His was like five hundred bucks, which it's his own thing, so his share is going to be a lot higher. And I was just like, oh, five hundred bucks in the fifties—that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a really yeah. good dinner. That dinner should have been somewhere way fancier <laughs> than their hometown. You <laughs> <laughs> could have flown to Paris, but no. Yeah. <laughs> But oh uh, yeah, this is this is a fun one. Oh, and of course Julius does what he does best and finds a way to uh, mix things up for them. Right. <laughs> I thought it was funny when he was speaking the Italian phrase, and I'm using yes. air quotes around Italian. Yeah. Because I speak a little Italian, and he was speaking gibberish. Right. Unless he was, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's funny because sometimes when uh, someone's speaking in a foreign language and something, they will actually be saying what they say they're saying, mm-hmm. but in this case, I think I'm pretty sure it was just gibberish because he has a really strong accent. But at one point, he was saying mozzarella, and I was like, "That's a cheese." That's <laughs> 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 just you're saying gibberish. <laughs> so. I thought that was funny. That is funny. Uh, but, yeah. This, this is a fun one. It's, what can I say? It's Harrison Faye. <laughs> You're always going to have fun. And I, li- and I like the songs that they sing, too. They're, I mean, this this show is one that I hire, that I don't mind the songs. Because some shows, um, some shows I'm just like, you know, I could have skipped that song and been okay. But, you know. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't usually, but the Harrison Faye show, it's the, most of their songs I've always enjoyed. So. And that's the thing about them that surprises me. It's one of the things is, like you said, I don't skip over the songs, but sometimes I listen and I'm like, well, you know, this this means nothing to me. <laughs> it's not stirring any emotion whatsoever. But yeah. almost, I can't think of any single song that they've sung that I didn't want to go back and listen to it again or didn't just like rewind it a little bit and just listen to it again. Oh, yeah. Like it's stuff I would actually listen to in the you know, on car trips on oh, you know, uh-huh. the radio kind of thing. I, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Like the, the music's still really fun yeah. and. It, to me, yeah. it's peppy. I like peppier kind yeah. of songs. And so all of their songs are like peppy. And so mm-hmm. it, they're, that's enjoyable for me. I had a friend once who told me that I like the drinking songs, <laughs> like the songs <laughs> that you can like swing a beer stein back and forth with as you're singing it. And I'm like, hey, and I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of true. I don't drink, but I do like the more rouse, mm-hmm. rouse, rowdy songs. I guess you'd call them. I don't know. Right. <laughs> uh, swing a root beer back and forth. That's and right. I can <laughs> swing my root beer back and forth and be like, yeah. <laughs> It's that red hair, <laughs> visibly uh, Irish heritage that you probably don't have. Oh, <laughs> well, you never know. Somewhere there might be an Irish person <laughs> snuck in somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, fun episode. Uh, do you have any final notes before we turn our listeners over to 
the show oh just just enjoy it it's yeah don't skip over the songs (laughs) (laughs) not really the best part of this episode but it is funny it's a funny one it's yeah they're good songs it's just a great great 30 minutes (laughs) yeah so everyone go ahead sit back and enjoy phil harris alice Faye, elliot lewis walter titley as they all get together and and put on another great phil harris and alice Faye show ciao RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show. Enjoyment here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, transcribed, written by Jack Douglas and Marvin Fisher, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, the orchestra under the direction of Skip Martin, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. First, a word from RCA Victor. Ladies and gentlemen, by RCA Victor, new orthophonic high-fidelity recording, we take you to Carnegie Hall. On stage, Vladimir Horowitz. That was the Hungarian Rhapsody Number no. 2, exactly as Vladimir Horowitz played it in the famous concert commemorating the 25th anniversary of his American debut. RCA Victor made an actual on-the-spot recording of the entire concert. From music to applause to encores, it's all captured for your musical pleasure in RCA Victor's new orthophonic high-fidelity album, the Vladimir Horowitz 25th anniversary of his American concert debut. Listen to this magnificent album at your dealers. Hear it on an RCA Victor high-fidelity phonograph. RCA Victor high-fidelity Victrola phonographs let you enjoy the exciting realism you've always wanted from recorded music. They give you the delicate overtones. You hear each thrilling note as though the performance was in your own living room. See your dealer tomorrow for the Vladimir Horowitz anniversary album, the exciting new high-fidelity Victrola phonographs by RCA Victor. First in recorded music. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a short time ago, Phil Harris made some new recordings for RCA Victor. And today, he was informed that the check for the recording date was ready. So we find Phil with Elliot walking down Hollywood Boulevard on his way to collect the money. Come on, Curly. We'll never get to RCA Victor if you don't quit window shopping. You've been looking in this window for ten minutes. Well, what's wrong with looking in a window? I can't help it. I just can't go by a pet store without stopping. Hey, Elliot. Hmm? Look at those little puppies in there. Hey. Hmm? Look at that little spotted one. Ah, he's wagging his tail. <laughs> well, you stay here, Curly. I'm going up in front of Suzanne's negligee shop and wag my tail. Come back. <laughs> oh, look at this little rascal right there with the floppy ears. Hey, look at him, Elliot. Yeah. You know something? I had a dog just like that when I was a kid. Yeah, he was a pointer. 
You mean he was one of them hunting dogs? Well, mine never did learn to hunt very well. I, I took him out bear hunting once, but... Well, he just didn't seem to quite understand what a pointer should do. What do you mean? Well, I... I sent him into the woods, and pretty soon he came out with a big bear and pointed at me. <laughs> I've never seen a bear with so much confidence. <laughs> he had a napkin around his neck, and he was carrying a bottle of Adolph's meat tenderizer. <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. Thank you, Uncle Remus. <laughs> Now, can we please go get our check? Will you stop beefing? RCA Victor's right across the street. Come on. Yeah. Hey, look out, Curly! That crazy Marlon Brando. <laughs> hey, Curly, I want to last long enough to get that money. Let's not live so dangerously. Will you I... stop? What are you, chicken or something? Don't be afraid. Just follow me and we'll get across the street okay. Come on. you, Curly. That's the safest way to cross Vine Street, all right. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, don't forget to put that manhole cover back on. <laughs> I did. Come on, let's go in and collect the loot. I don't get it. We walked all the way down to the recording studio. Now we're riding around town in a taxi. What gives? Well, that's just because you don't know what happened. My check this time had an extra $500 on it. What for? What for? What for? Well, look, I'm a singer, ain't I? I make records for RCA Victor, don't I? I'm their fair-haired boy. <laughs> What's the five hundred dollars for? <laughs> That's rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What is it for? <laughs> Elliot, the whole thing is obvious to the thinking mind. This extra five hundred dollars is in appreciation. In appreciation for what? Well, how about my record of ebb tide? Yeah, how about it? It was never released. <laughs> well, that wasn't my fault. It was, too. To get that ocean effect, everybody else used seagulls. What'd you use? Pelicans. <laughs> That's why the record didn't sell. Well, maybe you're right. Nothing sounds worse than a pelican with a mouth full of sardines. <laughs> you know what you want to do with that extra money, Curly? What? You ought to take Alice out for a big evening. I should? Sure. The little girl is faithful and kind to you, year after year, asking nothing in return. Here's a chance for you to be a big man, Curly. Take her out. Paint the town. Yeah, paint the town. Yeah, with a tuxedo. Yeah, tuxedo. And buy an orchid. Yeah, an orchid. Buy two orchids. Two orchids? Sure, you want me to look pretty, too, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, this will be fun. I know just the place we can go. It's called Luigi's Wine Cellar. It's upstairs over a garage <laughs> uh, A 
A wine cellar over a garage? Yeah. Luigi had it made that way. It's real fancy. Have you ever seen a bandstand that comes up out of the orchestra pit? Sure. Well, at Luigi's, he presses a button and they come riding up on the grease rack. <laughs> They got a new group playing over there now Sam Dorsey and his Gramercy Five Sam Dorsey? Sure Didn't you know they had a sister? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah, now I remember that band Oh, sure, sure, sure. Sam Dorsey, yeah They used to play at Grace Hayes' Lodge Man, man, man What a silly combination A piano, two clarinets, a trumpet, and a St. Bernard (laughs) Named Rodney A St. Bernard? Yeah When they play, I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter Rodney licks the stamp (laughs) Hey, I saw Luigi's ad in the paper yesterday They got a special attraction now They got a bubble dancer with a slow leak Wonderful, we'll go early and stay late (laughs) No, no, look, Ellie Come to think of it Luigi's ain't a high-class enough joint to go for this occasion This celebration calls for, well, something extra fancy Like Ciro's or Macombo Crazy, man Hey, if you really want to go first class, the place is La Rue's I'll call my girl Jacqueline right now and have her make our reservations. Wait a minute. Wait. Hold it, Radcliffe. Hold it. <laughs> What's the trouble? Didn't you kind of edge in a side door? I don't remember asking you to go along. You mean you'd leave me home in my lonely little room? <laughs> yes, I would. It comes as a deep shock to me. You've just taken the bright, shining torch of our friendship... And dash the flame into the black curtain of night Well, Tallulah, I didn't know (laughs) My friendship has left nothing to be desired Why, when you were in the hospital that time and needed a transfusion I gave it And you didn't even know I gave it Oh, yes, I did How did you know it was my blood? The doctor couldn't give it to me till he took out a liquor license All right, I guess you can go with us tonight. Now you're talking, Curly. Mom, where are you going tonight? Oh, hello, Alice. I thought you were upstairs playing a game of Scrabble with Phyllis. I was, but I came down for a glass of milk. Gee, you look beautiful, Mom. Well, thank you, honey. What a beautiful evening gown. I've never seen you so dressed up before. Oh, Alice, I dress up every time your daddy takes me any place. Well, I've never seen you in anything but blue jeans. That's the kind of places he takes me. <laughs> your father's a natural-born square dancer. But tonight's a special occasion. You know what we're going to do? Hey, Alice. Hey, honey, I'm looking for my cufflink. Hello, Daddy. Oh, hi. Hey, babe, how are you? Fine, Dad. Gee, I wish I had a lot of pretty bottles of perfume like these. And what beautiful names. Purple Twilight... Hyacinth, blue gardenia, essence of rose petals, jasmine, and April dawn. Be careful, honey. You might break one of those. Come over to my dressing table and look at mine. 
Got all those beautiful bottles because I happen to be a test pilot for Elizabeth Arden. <laughs> Say, Alice, did Julius get here from the grocery store yet? Not yet. Well, I'm going back upstairs. See you later. Okay, baby. And Phil, why did you ask about Julius? I thought we were going out to dinner. Oh, we are, but I asked Julius to stop by the place where we rented the tuxedos and pick them up for Elliot and me. Hey, honey, I can't wait till he gets here. You know something? I haven't worn a tuxedo in years. Oh, I can't wait to go out either, Phil. And by the way, honey. Huh? I just want you to know that I think this is the nicest thing a man can do for a woman. Darling, it will bring back old memories of times we used to have. Yeah. Yeah, I thought of that. I thought we might have dinner in that little gypsy tea room. The place we ate the night we were married. Oh, you mean that cozy little place with candlelight and wine? Is it still there? Yeah, yeah. Gypsy tea room is still there, but the Hollywood freeway goes right through. <laughs> Then we can't have dinner there Well, we could But we might have a little trouble Keeping the candles lit <laughs> But don't worry, honey You know something We're going to be on the town tonight Elliot's making reservations At a very exclusive supper club And the sky's the limit Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever before Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever Whisper just once more Did you tremble, did you tingle Did your heart begin to jingle Like a pocket that was loaded full of dimes Did you like it when you did it If you did it, then admit it Did you have such wonderful times Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever Get that did you ever, did you ever, did you ever Feel your heart stand still I don't care who held you tightly I don't care who saw you nightly Or who shared your kiss But did you ever, did you ever, did you ever Love like Thanks, honey. Boy, we're going to have a real ball tonight. You know something? We're going to be the sharpest-looking couple that they've ever... Everybody home! I've run the groceries! Oh, hello, Mr. Harris. Hello, Miss Faye. Hey, never mind the groceries, Julius. Hey, did you bring the tuxedos we rented? Yeah, I got yours right here. I dropped Mr. Lewis's off at his house. By the way, Mr. Harris, these didn't come from the place you were going to rent them from. What do you mean? I saved you guys five bucks apiece. You know, my uncle's in the tuxedo renting business. He's got quite a joint. 
J. Marquand the Bruzios, tuxedo Renton, cuffs and collars repaired, shoes shine, banjo pick shopping, and the second slice is free. <laughs> second slice? Yeah, he also bakes pizza. <laughs> Don't worry about the tuxedo. Well, I got news for you, buddy. It better fit. Now unwrap it and let me have a look at it. You know, I wear an extra-large size. Does your uncle have extra-large? He's not only got extra-large, he's got very large, super-large, and here comes the showboat. Slip <laughs> <laughs> the jacket on, Phil, and see how it fits. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. I'll just step over here in front of the mirror, and then I'll... Hey, wait a minute. You sure I got the right one? Yeah, that's yours, all right. That's the showboat model. <laughs> I believe you From the side It looks like the paddle wheel Got stuck Now actually It doesn't look so bad Mr. Harris You ain't got no appreciation For the history of that garment That's the very outfit Tony Franconi wore When he married Carmelita Garibaldi <laughs> No kidding Yeah What an affair that was Carmelita's cousins was there Her uncles was there Her nephews was there her brothers was there. What's this rip in the lapel? That's a bullet hole. Her father was there, too. <laughs> At an Italian wedding, when we sing I'm Walking Behind You, we ain't kidding. <laughs> well, I'll just put a carnation in the hole and nobody will notice. I'm not going to let nothing spoil this evening, Alice, because I'm I... I'm sorry I'm late, but it took me a little while to get in this tuxedo. Kind of tight. Oh. Hello, Elliot. Hello. Hey, Julius, I suppose this came from an Italian wedding, too. It might have come from a wedding, but it wasn't Italian. What makes you so sure? The pockets were full of egg foo young. <laughs> and look what's in the cuffs of the pants. Soy sauce. Honest? Yeah. The vest smells so much like chow mein, I didn't know whether to wear it or fry it. <laughs> and here it looks like it's been boiled. The contract is printed on the lining. What contract? It's fair and square. For the three bucks you paid, you get them till midnight. Yeah, suppose we don't want to get them back by midnight. You'll get them back. Just remember my Uncle Abruzio's motto. Lavaggio una paisan le manata cadiz guayo agagnata mozzarella e compari. What does that mean? That's Abruzio for... Get him back at midnight or you'll be real gone, man. Real gone. Bye. Deep within my heart lies a melody, a song of old San Antonio, where in dreams I live with a memory beneath the stars all alone. It was there I found beside the Alamo Enchantment strange as the blue up above A moonlit past that only she would know Still hears my broken song of love Song of love Moon in all your splendor, know only my heart Call back my rose, rose of San Antonio Lips so sweet and tender like petals falling apart Speak once again of my love, my own Broken song, empty words 
I know Still live in my heart all along For that moonlit pass by the Alamo And rose my rose of San Girlfriend Jacqueline is going to meet us inside, you know. Yeah, she'll be there, all right. Well, I just wanted to stand here on a sidewalk, Alice. I don't get to Beverly Hills very often. <laughs> and I love it. <sighs> Even the air out here is different. <laughs> That's my tuxedo. The Chinese food's still in. Yeah, well, here we go. Hold on tight, honey, because this is where we start to live. Oh, Phil, this is lovely. What a gorgeous lobby. Yeah, man, yeah. Hey, look, this joint must be packed. They got that velvet rope up. Don't you worry about it, Curly. Jacqueline made the reservation for us. Hey, that's the head waiter right there. I'll handle this, girl. Uh, one moment, please. Uh... <laughs> I say, I say, that is a very odd thing. <laughs> yes, indeed. We have a French chef and a Danish pastry cook. And yet I could swear I just smelled egg foo young. <laughs> Look, uh, I'll take care of this, Elliot. Look, Haven't you read the rules, young man on the kitchen door? No bus boys in the lobby. <laughs> come along now, come along. Look lively. Table 18 wants some more hot rolls. <laughs> Table 18 wants some more <laughs> Look, buddy, you're all wrong. I'm with them. I mean, that is, uh, look, I mean, we're all together. There's some mix-up here. We were hoping to have dinner. This is my husband. Oh, dear. <laughs> Won't you look on your book and see if there's a reservation for Harris? Oh, very well. You may check your things for the moment. We ain't got nothing to check, mister. We figured why should we check something and then spend two bucks to get it back? Ellen! <laughs> so we left our hats and coats in the car. Indeed. And where did you leave the car? Home in the garage. <laughs> yes, well, I've been looking at the list and I do find the name of Harris. However, there is a question mark beside it. Who made the reservation? My fiancé did. Miss Jacqueline Matthews. Cigars, cigarettes, cigars, cigars. Well, look who's here. Hi, Jacqueline. Here she is now, mister. She made our reservation. Yeah, when I came to work tonight, I wrote it in your book there. You, the cigarette girl, had the audacity to write in my reservation book. Yeah, I 
did. And I'll tell you something else. I used the last two words in your paper-made pen. That's <laughs> <laughs> tell them, honey. And another thing, Mr. Headwaiter. I deplore being referred to as a cigarette girl. I may be a cigarette girl now, but I've been studying nights. And mark my words, someday I'll be checking hats. <laughs> Yes, indeed, my dear, very dramatic. But I do not comprehend your vernacular. What she's trying to say, Bub, is someday, one of these days, pow, right in your butter plate. <laughs> now, are we going to get a table or not? What are you going to do? Oh, yes, decidedly, sir. In fact, I'll take care of you myself. Follow me, please. Now, uh, which table shall I... Uh... <laughs> uh, tell me... Tell me quite confidentially, do you smell egg foo young? No, I don't. Me either. Well, I do. So take this table here right by the open window. The window isn't open. <laughs> Forgive me, I couldn't wait. About time we got a table. I'm starved. Now, can we have a waiter? Yes. I'll mail in your request right away. Oh, this is a fine thing. We've been sitting here two and a half hours and we haven't got a waiter yet. Oh, it's murder. What time is it anyway? Oh, I've got 11.38. No, you're wrong, Alice. I got 11.42. You're all are wrong. It's a 12 o'clock and it knows. Twelve o'clock, how do you know? I'm a Brugio. Take off with a tuxedo. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Mr. Brugio. You can't take back these tuxedos now. You bet you my life I'm going to take them. I got those rent all ready for tomorrow. If you want these tuxedos, you got to take them off of us. Take them off of you, you say? Yeah. Oh, hey, oh wait. Oh, 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 no. Oh, How do you like the nerve of that little guy tackling both of us? <laughs> Hot-headed little guy like that telling us he's going to take our tuxedos away from us. <laughs> I guess he'll remember that battle for a while. Yeah. It was pretty cold out here on Sunset Boulevard with nothing on. <laughs> you know, if Jacqueline hadn't been so nice, we wouldn't have anything to cover us. Yeah. Good old Jacqueline. Hey. Hmm? Put it up here in front of both of us, and then we'll walk close together. Yeah, okay. Uh-oh, here comes a cop. Yeah. Cigars, cigarettes. Cigars, cigarettes. Alice... Yes, Phil. Honey, it ain't that I'm suspicious. It's just that he doesn't trust you. I do, too. Only, honey, this note I found looks kind of peculiar. It's a phone number in your handwriting, Quincy1995. Oh, Phil, I can explain that. Just the facts, ma'am. We just want the facts. I wanted a radio for Mother, and... Well, I... what's that got to do with a phone number? Well, it's not a phone number. Quincy is the name of a wonderfully low-priced RCA Victor radio with the golden throat tone system. 
and one nine nine five is its price, nineteen dollars and ninety five cents. Hmm, a radio for the old battle. I, I mean, your mother. That's right. As little as nineteen dollars and ninety five cents. Yes, Phil. Why, at that low price, anybody can afford this swell RCA Victor Quincy radio. Of course. Then let your mother buy her own. This is Phil again. Folks, 1954 may be the showdown year in the 16-year fight of the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis against polio. Because of the discovery of a proven weapon called Vaccine GG, no child or parent may ever again have to live in the shadow of this dreadful crippler. Won't that be wonderful? So if you haven't already done it, put a buck or two in the mail for the March of Dimes, won't you? Thanks. Good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Shirley Mitchell, High Aberback, Jerry Desmond, and the part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. This has been an NBC Radio Network presentation. Does your radio sound like this? Does the volume fluctuate? Is there an annoying hum? If your radio has any of these symptoms, the trouble may be a weak or worn-out tube. If so, have your serviceman install dependable new RCA tubes. Experts will tell you RCA radio tubes give you the best performance your radio can deliver. Now hear Merrill Muller in the news on the NBC Radio Network. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1943-1944 season. Tonight's episode doesn't have Jack visiting any uh, air base or navy base or anything like that. Next week we'll have another one of those. But tonight's episode does feature some more talk about Horn Blows at Midnight and has um, as guest stars the actual writers from Horn Blows at Midnight and the director of Horn Blows at Midnight, which is kind of cool, um, getting real writers and real directors on the show. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Jack Benny. And if you haven't got a chance to listen to Horn Blows at Midnight, we played that last week as part of our Jack Benny show, so you might want to go back and listen to that. Anyway, take care. Thanks so much. The Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program. Friends, if you all had a time clock in your home and had to punch it coming and going for breakfast, you know what you'd find out? Well, you'd be surprised. According to a recent survey, it seems the average time that folks spend on breakfast is estimated at just 12 minutes. Kind of makes breakfast a brush-off meal, doesn't it? Whereas nutrition experts all tell us breakfast is actually the most important meal of the day. The time when you should get at least one quarter of your entire day's nourishment after a fast of 10 or 12 hours. All right, say you are pressed for time in the morning. Just start off with ready-to-eat, swell-to-eat 
Grape nuts are grape nuts flakes. Because these same experts tell us the adequate breakfast should include a cereal with whole grain nourishment. And that's grape nuts and grape nuts flakes for you. Both are crammed full of energy-giving, body-building, whole grain nourishment. Eat a good breakfast, do a better job. And for a neat time saver as well as good eating fun, feature nutritious, malty-rich grape nuts or grape nuts flakes. Ladies and gentlemen, in starting off a comedy show, it is customary for the announcer to say something humorous. But tonight I can't think of anything funny, and here he is, Jack Benny! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, uh... Don, did you make up that clever introduction all by yourself? Yes, Jack, I certainly did. You mean nobody even helped you with it? No, no, not a soul. You mean you hatched up that witty gem in your very own little fat head? <laughs> huh? But, Jack, I thought you said it was clever. Oh, it was, Don, but something happened to it when it came out of your big fat mouth. <laughs> That's oh, all. Oh, Jack, you're sore about it. No, no, Don, really I'm not. Believe me. I'm not sore at all. I'm very happy that you're my announcer. Really, I am. But, Jack, if you're not angry, why are you tearing up my contract? I'm not tearing up your contract because I'm angry, Don. I'm just making a paper doll that I can call my own. <laughs> you get hey, it? Jackson, look. Now, why are you getting all steamed up? You get sore and excited and lose your temper just because Don makes a clever widow kiss him. <laughs> Phil, the word is witticism Anyway, I'm not sore and I'm not excited and I'm not losing my temper Oh, Jack Yes, Mary Are you going to shave? Of course not, why? It's a shame to let all that foam around your mouth go to waste <laughs> Well, I've got a right to be mad When Don introduced me, he inferred that I wasn't funny well, that's no military secret, Jackson <laughs> Wait a minute, let me ask you something And this goes for the three of you If I'm not funny, how come I've stayed in radio 12 years? Well, answer me, there must be some reason <laughs> Well? I know why I'm on the air, Mr. Benny Dennis, you're a dope That's it <laughs> It certainly is Well, it's worth it You told me yourself you're paying me $186,000 a week Hmm Dennis, Mr. Benny's only paying you $35. But because your song just runs two minutes, it's equivalent to $186,000 a week. Who cares about details as long as I get the dough? <laughs> well, I'll be... Dennis, when you get your check, what does it say on it? $186,000 or $35? $35. There you are. What does that mean to you? Large withholding tax. <laughs> Thanks, kid. You had me worried there for a minute. Anyway, how do we get to talking about your salary? This all started with Don's introduction saying I wasn't funny. Well, all I know is that last week, Fred Allen said, quote, 
Jack Benny has done more for sleep than sank a coffee. <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> Look, Don, the next time you mention my name in the same breath with Allen's, please use Sensen. Quote, <laughs> double strength, unquote. <laughs> oh, Jackson, I think you're jealous of Allen. I heard him last week and he was terrific. Phil, do, do you listen to Fred Allen's program? Well, sure I do. Oh, you, uh, you do, huh? Well, you don't mind, do you? No, no. Why should I mind? I don't care at all. <laughs> if you want to listen to Alan, it's certainly your privilege. Hey, wait a minute, Jackson. What are you doing with my contract? You know that paper doll I made before? Yeah? Well, I'm fixing her up with a boyfriend. <laughs> now, let's drop... Let's drop whatever we were talking about, including Alan. Well, you certainly are a hypocrite, Jack. When I came over to your house last week, Alan's program was tuned in on your radio. Well, that was a mistake. Rochester tuned it in while I was in the next room. Well, you could have walked in and turned it off. I would have, but I thought it was my camel I was smelling. <laughs> now, let's, let's change the subject. Dennis. Yes, please? Yes, please, yes, please. You've got a song ready. Let's have it. Okay. He hates me because I'm making $186,000 a week. Dennis, if I hated you, would I be paying you that much? Now, go ahead and sing, will you, kid? Sigh to me, 
That was Poinciana, sung by Dennis Day and accompanied by Phil Harris. All right, Don. Dennis Day and Phil Harris. Oh, Jack, not this season. Please. <laughs> Don, I wrote this commercial myself, and I want you to do it. It's clever. Now, go ahead. Dennis Day and Phil Harris. Oh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, when you go to bed at night, it's dark. But when you wake up in the morning and see the sun streaming through your window... Then it's day, and it's time to eat your grape nuts, Flame. <laughs> uh, there you are. Now, do the part that isn't clever, but educational. Okay. Grape nuts flakes are toasty brown, sweet as a nut, and have that malty rich flavor. Good. Now, go back to the clever part. Phil Harris. Oh, darn it. <laughs> so remember, folks, if you're hungry and want your fill... Harris, nothing better than grape nuts flakes in the big 12-ounce economy-sized package. I thank you and forgive me. You see, Don, those are the kind of commercials that people remember. Now, wasn't that a clever idea, Mary? Well, if you want to know the truth, I thought it was the... Phil, uh, Phil, what did you uh, think of it? Well, as long as you're asking for it, I thought it was... Dennis, uh, Dennis... Uh, did you like it? Oh, yes, Mr. Benny. I thought it was wonderful. You did? Yeah. Gee, the way you took my name, Dennis Day, and made a commercial out of it. Yes, it was a brilliant thought. And now, fellas... You'd have been in a spot if my name was Hassenpfeffer. <laughs> yes, yes, I would. And now, fellas... Dennis Hassenpfeffer. <laughs> All right, uh, that's, uh... That's, uh, that's enough, kid. And now, fellas... That was Poinciana sung by Dennis Hoppenpfeffer. <laughs> Gee, that's awful. Well, what's... What, what's awful about it? Well, how do I know Hoppenpfeffer can sing? <laughs> stop, uh, stop being so silly, Dennis. Oh, you can call me Hoppy. Thanks. <laughs> now, fellas... You see, what was I going to say? I had something on my mind. Oh, yes, yes. Now, fellas... Beginning next week, we'll have to do our rehearsing at Warner Brothers because I'm starting my new picture there. You know, the one I'm making with Alexis Smith. Oh, is that the horn blows at midnight? Yes, that's the title. And, oh, boy, just wait till you see it. It's a fantasy. You know, I'm a sort of an angel like Gabriel. And in the picture, I come down to Earth to blow a trumpet and destroy the whole world. You can do that with your violin. <laughs> I'm not playing a violin. I blow a horn. That's where the title comes from. The horn blows at midnight. Wait a minute, Jackson. Where'd you ever learn to blow a horn? Oh, it's easy. Sure, he just puts it up to his mouth and lets the air out of his head. <laughs> I do not. Anyway, when I get to Earth, I lose my angelic powers, and that's when I meet Alexa Smith. In the picture, her name is Elizabeth, and my name is Nathaniel. My name is Hassenpfeffer. <laughs> Dennis, don't interrupt me when I'm trying to explain something. Now, where was I? You were letting the air out of your head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, anyway, when I, when I come down to Earth, I meet Alexis Smith, and that's where we're supposed to fall in love and have our big romantic scene. What do you mean, supposed, uh, Jackson? Well, Raoul Walsh, the director, wants to take the love scene out of the picture, and I can't understand why. I don't mind for myself, but... Poor Alexis will be heartbroken. 
I don't understand why they took it out. Well, Jack, instead of worrying about it, why don't you go over to the studio and find out? Oh, I am, Don. Rochester's outside waiting to pick me up. In fact, I'd go now if I thought the program could possibly go on without me, you know? Well, go ahead, Jack. I can get laughs. Oh, well, then you better come with me, Mary. <laughs> Phil, uh, Phil can play a band number. Well, that's okay with me, but what do you want me to play? Anything, Phil. Just keep time. That's all I ask. <laughs> now, come on, Mary. So long, fellas. You better tell Rochester which way to go. Oh, yes. Rochester. Yes, boss. Uh, make a left turn first. Now a right turn, then another left. Now go straight and make that first right turn. Now another left. Now make a right turn and then another left. Now a left. Now keep going straight and... That's enough, boss. I can find my own way out of the parking lot now. <laughs> Good. Now, Rochester. Uh, Rochester, right out to Warner Brothers Studio. Okay. Gee, I like working at Warner's, but I hope I don't have any trouble about that romantic scene. Oh, Jack, no matter who you make a picture for, you always have trouble. When you made love thy neighbor, you had a big argument with Paramount. Well, I had the last word, didn't I? Yeah, but you had to phone it in from Warner's. <laughs> What's the difference as long as I'm healthy? What does that mean? <laughs> Say, Rochester, did you fix up my new dressing room yesterday? Yes, boss, but I got bad news. You have to move out of this one, too. Oh, for heaven's sake. What's the matter, Jack? First, they gave me Errol Flynn's dressing room, but they decided to paint it. Then they gave me Humphrey Bogart's, but they had to put in a new floor. Then they gave me John Garfield, but they had to redecorate it. Now I'm getting pushed out of another dressing room. Rochester, what's the matter this time? Lassie came home! <laughs> Lassie? She works at MGM. What's she doing at Warner's? Well, you know the housing problem. <laughs> oh, well, animals have to be comfortable, too. Say, Rochester, did you feed the camel before you left the house? Yes, and then I put her out in the backyard. Good. I strung a clothesline between her humps and hung out the laundry. <laughs> well, you see, Mary, I told you we'd find some use for her. Oh, Rochester, here's Warner's. Now drive us to the main office and go slow through here. I want to see Raoul Walsh, my director, first and get this thing settled. I don't think there'll be any... <laughs> Mary, that's Humphrey Bogart's dressing room. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You know, I don't think I'll have any trouble about the love scene. <laughs> uh, that's Betty Davis's dressing room. <laughs> I think if I explain my viewpoint about that love scene to Raoul Walsh, he'll see it my way. I know, Jack. That's your dressing room. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what Lassie is so upset about. Maybe they want to cut the love scene out of her picture, too. See, Mary, see, I'm not the only one that gets it. Rochester, let us out in front of this building. Okay, boss. 
Come on, Mary. I want to see my director first, Raoul Walsh. His office is in here. Okay. Yes? Uh, I'd like to see Mr. Walsh. I'm Jack Benny. Just a moment, please. Oh, Mr. Walsh. Yes? Mr. Benny, to see you. Oh, Mr. Benny, huh? Yes, sir. Well, try number five. Yes, sir. Well? Mr. Walsh isn't in. <laughs> oh. He's at his tailor's having the cuffs put back on his pants. Well, will it be long? No, he likes his socks to show. <laughs> well, I wish you'd try to get in touch with him. It's very important. I'll see if I can locate him. Just a moment, please. Mr. Walsh, he insists upon seeing you. Oh, well, try number eight. Oh, Mr. Walsh. No good, huh? Uh-uh. <laughs> well, try number three, Miss Stephan. Yes, sir. Oh, Mr. Benny. Yes? Mr. Walsh left his tailors, and on his way back to the studio, his car ran off the road and got stuck in the mud. He'll be there indefinitely. Mud? Why, it, it wasn't even raining. The studios can do anything. <laughs> well, Genius, I wanted to get this thing settled today. It's really urgent. Can't something be done about it? Well, I'll try to locate him once more. Fine. I'll lay eight to five. Quiet. <laughs> Mr. Walsh, why won't you see Mr. Benny? After all, he is one of our stars. I know, but I'm sure he wants to beef about that love scene that was taken out of the picture. Well, why was it taken out? Did you see Jack make love to Ann Sheridan and George Washington slept here? No, I didn't. Well, when you make love to a girl like Ann Sheridan, you should take her in your arms and gently kiss her on the lips. Uh-huh. You're not supposed to grab her by the earlobes and pull yourself up. <laughs> oh, I see. And anyway, the fact that the love scene is out isn't entirely my fault. You tell Mr. Benny to take the matter up with the writers. Yes, Mr. Walsh. Oh, Mr. Benny. Yes? I spoke to Mr. Walsh on the phone. Yes? Oh, fine. They got telephones in the mud. <laughs> Mary. Mr. Walsh suggested you see either Mr. Hellman or Mr. Kern, the writers of the picture. I see. Well, thank you very much. Come on, Mary. Let's go. Oh, Mr. Benny, would you mind giving this note to Mr. Hellman or Mr. Kern? No, no, no. Not at all. Come on, Mary. Thank you again. Here we are. Sam Hellman and James Kern. Let's go in. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Hello. I'd like to see Mr. Hellman or Mr. Kern. Only Mr. Kern is in. Well, will you tell him I'd like to see him and give him this note, please? It's from Mr. Walsh. Very well. Oh, Mr. Kern. Just a minute. I'm thinking. All right, Miss Fox, what is it? Jack Benny is here to see you. Oh. And he brought you this note from Mr. Walsh. Thanks. <clears throat> it says, don't try number five, eight, or three. It won't work. Well, then what shall I tell him? I don't know. Shall I try number 12? No, no, not number 12. That's for my wife. 
Now, uh, now, let me think. I know he wants to see me about that love scene we took out of his picture, but there's nothing I can do about it. Why not? Did you see the way he made love to Ann Sheridan and George Washington slept here? Yes. Well, Annie hasn't worn earrings since. <laughs> I see. Well, Mr. Benny is waiting. What shall I tell him? Just a minute. Let me think. Oh. <laughs> let me see, let me see Okay, I've got it All right, Mr. Kern is through <laughs> Tell Mr. Benny he'd better go and see Mark Hellinger, the producer After all, he's the one who has charge of the whole production Yes, sir Oh, Mr. Benny Yes? And Mr. Kern is on the long-distance phone right now, so he suggests that you get in touch with Mr. Hellinger. He's right down at the end of the hall. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Come on, Mary. Oh, well, uh, Mr. Benny. Never mind. I'll try it without a note this time. <laughs> Come on, Mary. Mr. Hellinger, Mr. Hellinger. Yes. What is it, Miss Jones? Jack Benny's here, and he'd like to see you. Oh, send him right in. Yes, sir. Go right in, Mr. Benny. Well, when he gets back, will you tell him that... What? <laughs> you can go right in. Mr. Hellinger wants to see you. Oh, oh, thank you. Come on, Mary. Don't rush in. It might be a booby trap. <laughs> Don't be silly. He's always glad to see me. Well, hello, Mark. Hello, Jack. When did you get back from Africa? <laughs> Why, Mark, I've been back for months. I'm going to start your picture pretty soon. Oh, yes, yes. Hello, Mary. Hello, Mr. Hellinger. Say, Jack, I understand that you're very anxious to get started with our new picture. Yes, yes, I am, Mark, but... Uh... And I hear that you're very, very happy about it. Oh, I am, I am, yes. But there's one little thing that bothers me. Oh, it bothered us, too, so we took it out. <laughs> what? You know, the love scene between you and Alexa Smith. Now, Mark, I personally think that the love scene is very important to the picture and should have stayed in. Now, why did you take it out? Well, look, Jack, this is a fantasy. You play the part of an angel, and Alexa Smith is an angel, too. So when you meet, there must be no thought of love. I know, but... Uh... We feel there should be no connection between love and anyone wearing wings. Well, now, that's silly. What about the birds and the bees? <laughs> Answer that. I wouldn't know. They're not on the contract to warn us. <laughs> You're evading the question. Now, look, Mark. I'm capable of doing love scenes. I've done love scenes before, and I can do them again. I'm good in love scenes. Jack, Jack, I'll take your word for it. Stop kissing me. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think I was that close to you, you know? Well, then, for heaven's sake, get off his laugh. Mary, I got excited. I'm sorry. Now, look, Mark, I hate to get tough about it, but unless the love scene comes Hey, Mark, back... Mark. What is it, John? I got a new idea for the Jack Benny picture. You have? Yeah. Now, in my version, Jack makes his entrance as though, and that makes the audience think that he... So I have him coming around, but not the way you think, because Alexis would then be in a close-up while Jack. It isn't exactly her character, so we have to. <laughs> what? 
Hey, you got something there, John. But you take that scene where he's just about to, which comes after the one where he did, I have it where he doesn't. <laughs> but I want to. <laughs> I'm one of the stars. Well, what do you think about it, Mark? I think it's a great idea. That's the way we'll do it. Okay. Now, shall I empty the wastebasket? <laughs> hmm. Later, later. Now, look, Mark. Yes, Jack, what were we talking about? My love scene. I don't want to get nasty. But if that doesn't get back in the picture, you'll just have to get yourself another boy. Uh, excuse me, Jack. Hello? Yes? Just a moment. For you, Jack. Who is it? Uh, Mr. Hosenpfeffer. <laughs> Oh, hang up. It's that silly kid. Now, listen, Mark. I've got a contract here, and that love scene is going back in the picture, or... Well, Jack, I'm sorry. I didn't know you felt that way about it. <laughs> After all, we want everybody to be happy. We wouldn't think of hurting you for the world. Jack, look what he's doing to your contract. I know, and he's making the legs too long. <laughs> look, Mark. When you want to make a paper doll, you're supposed to shape the head like this. Then you come around the shoulders like this. Oh, yes. How do you make the arms? Well, that's easy. You see, you just tear it to one side with a little curve. See, like this. Then you go out a little for the hips, in a little for the thighs, a little curve for the knees, and then straight down to the pussy pussy. Remember the good old days of the horseless carriage? Why, no, Don. Uh, can't say that I do. No? Well, that's funny. Well, you must remember the gay old days of the linen dusters and that song, A Bicycle Built for Two. Hmm, well, frankly, no, Don. Say, what's the idea anyway? Oh, I see. I suppose you were too young for those old timers. Before your day and so on, huh? Well, you know, Don, after all, I'm only... Yeah, I know. And well, now you spoil my whole story. Uh, what do you mean? What story, Don? Well, the fact that you and Grape Nuts are just alike. Well, you mean because we're both so distinctive and so pleasing and so... I mean that for over 40 years, since way back in the gay 90s, Grape Nuts has been a leading American favorite. <laughs> now, I was going to say the same thing for you. Well, if you want to put it that way, I could add a few years. No, Jack, no, Jack. Let that swell, molly rich Grape Nuts flavor, that crisp, crunchy Grape Nuts texture speak for itself. And Grape Nuts is a basic seven food, too, friends, full of all-around whole-grain nourishment. So for a delicious, nutritious breakfast treat, just call for Grape Nuts, America's favorite. Well, folks, next Sunday we'll be with you at the same time broadcasting from the Navy Small Craft Training Center at Roosevelt Base on Terminal Island. Terminal Island. <laughs> I want to thank Mark Hellinger, Raoul Walsh, and Jimmy Kern for appearing here through the courtesy of Warner Brothers. 
And oh yes, uh, Lassie barking through the courtesy of MGM. <laughs> now folks, please remember the March of Dimes and War Bond. Good night, everybody. Hot grape nut sweet meal. Oh, boy, what an elegant dish. Why, for nourishment and flavor, it's got everything you'd wish. Hot grape nut sweet meal. Oh, boy, what a wonderful prize. When you buy this swell new cereal in the new economy size. Ask for the big new economy package of hot grape nut sweet meal. Compare the value. Grape nut sweet meal gives you 30 full ounces more cereal for your money. Luscious grand roasted wheat flavor, real whole wheat nourishment. Get hot grape nut sweet meal in the new economy package tomorrow. This is the National Broadcasting Company.